0: Welcome everyone. I'm Brian Zerman, and I'll be your moderator for today's session on AI and technology-driven solutions in dental care We've got a great group assembled for this conversation, uh, and we're going to get right to it. So we're going to begin with some standard introductions. I'm going to ask each of our our panelists here to share a bit about themselves and their organizations. Uh, That way, all of you in attendance can better appreciate um, their perspectives. Lee, I'm going to throw it to you to, to kick things off there.
1: Sure. Hi, everybody. My name is Lee Feenberg. I'm the CEO of Mid-Atlantic Dental Partners. We started in 2016, and we have a little over 200 locations throughout 17 states all over the United States now, as far uh, west as um, Colorado and as far east as the East Coast. Uh, Still looking for affiliations. in areas where we have opportunity to increase our density, uh, but really started as a model of uh, partnering with uh, solo site practitioners, and uh, that's something that we look to continue doing and continue growing in the years to come. Happy to be here today. Thanks for having me.
0: Happy to have you here from the, from the right from the fifty yard line. Uh, appreciate that, Lee uh, Manu. How about you go
2: next? Uh, great. Uh, good morning, everyone. Oh, um, so currently I serve as president of Capital Dental Care uh, at Capital Dental. We are a dental care organization in the state of Oregon, and we're a risk-based managed care organization that provides dental health services to more than 300,000 um, Oregon Health Plan Medicaid members. Um, we contract directly with the state and coordinated care organizations as well. Um, we're a little bit of a unicorn in the sense that our um, we're ho- wholly owned by a DSO by the name of Interdent, and we have about 60 general dental offices where about Half of our members utilize services. I'm really excited to be here and um, happy to participate in this conversation today.
0: Glad to have you here. And Alex,
2: why don't you uh, round us off with
0: introductions here?
3: Absolutely. Hi. Thank you, first of all, for having me to speak today. I really appreciate it. Uh, My name is Alex Lorraine. I'm the CEO of Viridian Dental Partners. We are a DSO that is based in. Middle Tennessee with our headquarters in Nashville. We've been in operation for five years and we have uh, structured our growth through partnerships with solo practices and also through de novo locations. And um, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to talk about technology and how we've leveraged it in our organization and swap ideas and conversation with these guys here today. Excellent.
0: Thank you all for being here. And Alex, uh, with that, I'm going to, I'm going to throw this first question your way to get us going here with this. All right. It's been, uh, a a trying couple of years to to say the least, but there, it has been also transformative, especially from a, a technology perspective. So what technology advancements have been perhaps the most impactful at your organization in the last couple of years?
3: I really think, first of all, um, investing in, um, cloud-based software with all of our practice locations. That was a big decision and one that we obviously didn't take lightly. Uh, We did it strategically while um, we made the decision shortly before COVID kind of kicked off two years ago. And that was very timely in the sense that we were able to have the offices transitioned over to the cloud-based system. We had phased out a lot of the older technology and that really streamlined our communications within with the doctors, with our team members who were on the corporate team, with other team members who were also located at the offices. And that really helped us to communicate effectively with each other. I would also say that prior to that investing, we had always invested in remote work for the team members who work at the corporate office. And so when that happened and people had to shift over to working at home, um, that wasn't a big bump for us. We were already ready for that and kind of hit the ground running. So I would say that those have been some really stri- some really great investments that benefited us. Um, they didn't come without their share of, of bumps and some um, very constructive uh, criticism and feedback, but I'm happy to say that we navigated through that. I would also say that investing in CEREC technology um, has been a, a, a very big game changer for our DS for Viridian. Um, You know, I think when you look at the practices prior to them coming on board and you see where they were with, you know, lab bills and turnaround time and all of that, that um, we've really been able to streamline that and reduce um, and keep that in-house and train our physicians and providers to provide that for our patients. So I would think out of all the investments that we've made, those have been three of the most beneficial.
0: And a follow-up questions for you. I, um, you know, you, you mentioned you had that remote workforce sort of mm-hmm. ready to go, uh, which had to be a big uh, make things much easier during the, during that whole transition. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about the initial perhaps impotence or, or the driving or the driver behind your decision, your organization's decision to have uh, remote work be a priority even even before um, the
3: pandemic? Well, I really believe that um, prior to COVID, that the the Dealing with kind of the shift in mentality with some of the individuals who we were recruiting to work for our organization um, was something that had to be taken into consideration. I think that employees now are looking for, we're looking for flexibility prior to COVID and now I think it's something that they more um, require, I would say. Uh, Having worked in several organizations where that was provided or it wasn't provided, I saw the benefit of it and I also saw the negative aspects. Um, that uh, could could occur from it. So I was able to structure it in a way where there was accountability. We were regularly interfacing with each other in person, but that they also had the flexibility to be working from home. Uh, We invested in being sure that their offices were set up properly, that their internet, um, computers, everything was set up. They weren't just being asked to go home and kind of like work from a laptop. Um, We made sure that they had access um, to all of that when they went in. And we also, you know, like I said, I think the biggest part about that was to go ahead and set the expectations on the front. And one of the big catalysts for that is that we are based in Nashville. And Nashville has grown so substantially in the past five years that traffic has become a huge, huge issue and a factor in a lot of companies in Nashville when they recruit employees to come work for them. They can't afford to necessarily live within the metropolitan area of Nashville. So they live in the surrounding counties. And would I rather have an employee spend an hour and 15 minutes commuting in every day and an hour and 15 minutes to an hour and 30 commuting back home every day? Or would I rather have them kind of like leaving that on the field and contributing that energy to um, the the objectives and initiatives of Viridian Dental Partners and our physician partners? And I would go with the latter on that. Um, Now, that being said, I think that you know, I did a lot of due diligence prior to hiring the individuals who work from home. It is a huge responsibility and um, it doesn't come without a restrictor plate to an extent, but that was really, we just really invested in infrastructure and in the employees who were working from home.
0: Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And as you mentioned, that level of flexibility is almost table stakes now, right? For Yes. For, for, for recruitment. It's just what people expect. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, Manila, I, I want to turn to you now and ask about you know what technology advancements have been the most impactful for you in the last couple of years.
2: Um, so at Capital, we're pretty fortunate that um, we actually kicked off Dentistry in 2015. And so when the start of the COVID pandemic had hit um, and, uh, and for lack of a better word, a lot of, the, we, we became a dental desert. Um, we were able to pivot pretty pretty quickly to offer audiovisual synchronous and asynchronous teledentistry to all of our members quite immediately. Um, At the beginning of last year, we kicked off the Capital Dental Cares Program where we provided preventive teledentistry and we also mailed out an enhanced oral hygiene kit that includes topical fluoride varnish. So that worked quite effectively in order to break down the barriers of geography and quite frankly, the barriers that were created because of the COVID pandemic. Um, um, also, last year, we got heavily involved with enhancing the collection of different medical health information on our electronic health record system, and um, as I shared prior, we are a dental care organization brought towards um, um, serving pop- total population health, and so by collecting that information and almost using that information for predictive analytics is largely where we're starting to reposition the organization. And lastly, towards the end of last year and moving forward into this year, we're looking at piloting um, community information exchange um, with um, essentially trying to address social determinants of health and equity um, with not only healthcare providers um, like behavioral health providers, medical care providers, but also non-health providers um, like a diabetes prevention program or other components of care like that. And do you think that that
0: access to care component has just sort of, you mentioned teledentistry, you've had, and I have some questions I want to, I want to get into about teledentistry, but you've had it around since 2015. Would you say that um, uh, this idea of expanding access to care is perhaps like uh, driving ethos behind your organization and the, the early adoption of teledentistry in 2015?
2: I, I would say that that was the driving ethos many years ago. Um, we've had a um, tremendous amount of different use cases, whether it's on mobile vans, in pediatrician's offices, or even we have a few pilots right now where we have an expanded practice dental hygienists that's co-located within a hospital and looking at trying to look at reducing the cost of ED visits. So when, when it really fundamentally depends on how we define access to care, you know in in the public health sphere we define access to care as what's called third next available appointment um, on the DSO lens and having been a clinical director for general dental um, prior we look at access to care more in a next available appointment within a matter of days and so it really fundamentally depends on what we're defining as access and what does access really mean when we think about population health and so um, there has been tremendous amount of use cases would tell dentistry, but the fundamental challenges that continue to be present are um, the cost to deliver um, that care, because fundamentally, dentistry, um, and having practiced dentistry for many years, is that um, as dentists, we are ultimately surgeons. Uh, We go in there and we repair teeth, we repair and we rehabilitate the mouth, um, and we need to start looking at the mouth differently in order to achieve better outcomes with total population health. Thank you for sharing that, and we may, we may dive in more on the, on the teledentistry piece
0: uh, as this conversation evolves. I uh, appreciate that. Lee, I want to throw it to you now and have you talk about uh, what technology has been uh, most impactful for you in the last couple of years.
1: In the, in the last couple of years, um, I agree with what Alex said, obviously having a uh cloud software, uh, PMS is extremely valuable. Um, We did some affiliations that had been around for quite some time and there was individual servers and then there was NAS devices at practices and things were constantly going down. Um, So centralizing that was obviously extremely helpful. But um, in terms of technology that's helped in the actual practices, um, the one that comes to mind besides digital radiography is obviously probably the scanners. when I think about technology, whether it's tech in general or AI, uh, I like tech that's gonna make the lives better of the people that are using it and the people that are experiencing it, meaning uh, the teams that are in the practices. They are busy and they are hardworking. They were before 2020 and they are a lot more now. So anything that we can introduce that's going to take responsibilities off of their shoulders and give them more time to spend with their patients and make them more efficient. That's the stuff that, uh, I'm looking for. Um, there's also technology that we're kind of, uh, demoing, should you say, um, phones. Phones have never been one of the strong suits of uh, a dental office, Um, but there's technology out there that allows the people in the practice to do what they're best at, which is interact with the patients. And if you miss a phone call, the worry is always, what if it's somebody that's calling for the first time? Well, there's software besides call centers, there's software that, actually screens the phone calls that we're doing uh, measures the job that we're doing with the phone call if there's coaching necessarily necessary um it kind of brings that up and lets you know what's going on with the phones because we don't know what's happening in the phones we have 200 locations i could, I don't know what's happening on every phone call that's happening in all of those practices. So I, I'm a really big fan of scanners. I'm a really big fan of um, the automation for uh, calls, obviously online uh, scheduling, things of that nature that's also going to benefit the uh, patient whose primary concern is convenience. Can I get in when I want to get in? Um, and then um, you know respect for their time. They want to get in, they want to get out, and they want to get what they're uh, looking for um, within a certain time frame.
0: Thank you so much, Lee. And I, I want to sort of zero in on the, the AI piece of this, right, that, that, that you mentioned as well. You know, I guess the question I want to ask, and Lee, we can start with you. Um, you know, what where are we right now in terms of, of AI and dentistry? What, what you, you talked a bit about some technology solutions that's supported by AI. Um, so I'm curious if we can set the stage by talking about maybe where are we now with AI and dentistry and then move on to what transformations are, are likely in the, the in the future? What's coming? Uh, with regards to
1: ai i think we're behind i i think uh 2020 was probably a shot of adrenaline that was uh, long overdue but i think there's a lot of ground to make up i always think about our industry um years behind medicine and a good example of that is i took my son to the orthopedic the other day and when we walked in there was a a hall of almost cubicles Um, it was really cool it was modern it was sleek and it, uh, there was kiosks at each one, and it had them labeled for which different type of discipline they were offering there. You'd punch in your information on the kiosk, and it would direct you to what room you needed to go to. Uh, medicine's a little bit different than dentistry though, because in, in medicine, it's come to the point where a lot of people don't necessarily have relationships with their providers. They're going to urgent care facilities. Um, the general family practitioner doesn't exist to that much anymore unless they have a specialist they don't necessarily know the physician that they're going to be seeing. In dentistry, you have kind of a hybrid. You have the patients that are millennials that really don't care who they're seeing. Sometimes they're not coming to the dentist um, to the extent that they should be coming to the dentist with that frequency. And then you have the boomers and older that really want to see the same hygienist. They want to see the same dentist. So things like that, Um, might not necessarily play to both demographics. It's really about what kind of model are you looking for? I like tech, I like um, making it convenient and effective for people to get in and out. If I could go there, I would go there because I'd show up, I'd check in, it would direct me where to go. It directs the, uh, the doctors and the assistants where they need to be going and what needs to be going on. For the same reason, I don't necessarily like talking on the phone. Time is one of my currencies as I'm sure it is the same for you and it's the same currency for the office. There's a reason we measure the schedule in units of time. So anything that we can do to generate more units for the people in the practices or more units for the patient coming in. It's really the only currency that you can't get back. I get a lot more out of texting and emailing because I can be doing a lot more when I'm doing it, or I could be texting and emailing with multiple people, but there are people that are attached to that relationship. Um, but there's still, there's still a lot of AI that I've seen that is promising, but it's not necessarily fully fleshed out. Uh, auto posting. That would be wonderful and it would do wonders for the uh, the revenue cycle team. The problem is, it's not auto posting 100% of everything that you're getting. There's a lot of errors and it's only effective for 80 to 90% of the payers that we're getting in. If we could auto post everything, that would be absolutely fantastic. Same with uh, insurance verification. We have an eligibility button. We push it. That's great. It would be great if it did it automatically as well and then the breakdowns that come back some companies don't provide breakdowns and some of the breakdowns aren't complete but that's all stuff that's going to keep the people and the practices off the phone and anything that's going to be removing manual practices or actions is going to free up the time that they have i'm more aware of this than I ever was because of the labor issue that we're having in this country right now. And my primary concern is the well-being, not only of the patients that are going into the practices that we support, my primary concern is the people that are in the practices that are part of my team. I don't want them overworked. I don't want them burned out or stressed out. And in areas where they might have had two front desk people or three front desk people, and now they have one, I want to make sure that they're able to do their work to the best of their ability and that they still have a great quality of life and that they're able to get out and go home and spend time with their families. There's only so much that you can uh, take when you're in situations like that. So now more than ever, we need tech. I think the inevitable um, combination of dental and medicine is going to help with that because they're, um, they're ahead of us. And right now, I don't know if there's any out there. I know the one we use and I know the few that I'm familiar with, but even if I wanted to bill medical insurance, I don't necessarily have that capability right now, but they have uh, a lot of stacked and vertically integrated software. Uh, My father's a family practice physician, so I kind of live in both worlds to an extent, but I'm very jealous of the technology and the AI that they utilize over there that we don't have. And I think that we're on the precipice of some of these companies making some breakthroughs, but it's not about partnering with whoever's first to market with whatever niche benefit that they're offering. It's about having a very well thought out, fully functional platform that's gonna do 100% of what we're looking for and not 90, because doing it one way some and the other way some, that's not gonna work. You know, we can't work, we can't live in both worlds.
3: Gotcha, I
0: appreciate you setting the stage for for this uh, AI portion of the conversation, Lee. Uh, Manu, I want to want to turn to you and see if you can build on those comments or or
1: uh, um, share anything
0: so, anything else around AI.
3: Yeah, of course. Um, so one of the things that Manu, I, I
0: I believe you're you're frozen there. Are you frozen, uh, Alex Lee? Is he frozen for you as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna freeze, though, that's a good way to freeze. It's like a yeah, deep and know, thought kind of reflective gaze. Very. Yeah. I
0: think you. I think you're back. Uh, we knew you froze there on us for a little bit when I threw you the question. So if you want to take. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, hopefully, I looked okay when it, when it froze. <laughs> Lee was just commenting, and it, you you looked uh, sort of like you were musing over something, like you were thinking. Uh, so uh, we'll we'll throw it back to you and maybe uh, trim this portion out uh, or keep it in. <laughs> All right.
2: Um, so, um, you know, just one big comment, um, Lee brought touched upon something that is super critical for any technological and AI advancements into the future of dentistry. And that's the juice of the relationship that and the trust that we have with the dental workforce and our patients. Um, and we really want to retain that as we move forward into y- years ahead. Now, when I think of artificial intelligence, I really break it out into, you know, one option, which is we're looking at performing Standardized tasks with a high level of accuracy, and that could be, you know, even something as simple as using an intraoral scanner to evaluate for malocclusion and what the steps of treatment planning would be for that case, which is fundamentally what Invisalign utilizes, or any other type of clear aligner therapy. And looking into the future, looking at robotics with implants, or even maybe a ro- robot to do root canals. The second thing that is in, um, in particularly important with artificial intelligence is automation of using high level of computation analysis. And that's simply you know, looking at machine learning or having a computer continually analyze radiographs to evaluate for caries detection, confirm caries detection, or even periodontal diagnosis. At the payer level at Capital, um, one of the things that is really critical for us is that we need to manage the appropriateness of care that all of our provider, providers are providing to the Medicaid population. So, to kind of determining and defining when is the right care at the right time. And um, what makes capital different is that we have a dental consultant reviewing every pre-authorization, every referral to ensure that um, indeed the the care that's being recommended and requested is appropriate for that Medicaid member. The last thing that is not largely touched on yet, which I really look to be the future of AI with dentistry is what I call predictive analytics. Um, there was a, a paper published in 2010 talking about how medical knowledge has doubled or has, um, you know, 50 years ago or 60 years ago, medical knowledge doubled every 50 years. And in 2010, they predicted that in 20, by 2018, or, um, they, we were going to have a doubling of medical knowledge every 73 days. And so the ability for our dental providers to make the right decisions and the right diagnoses and the right recommendations of care um, it, it, there's just too much information. And really I, what I view is that we can one day use artificial intelligence or augmented intelligence to re- really build a dental health profile for the patient that's walking in and really integrate medical, dental, and behavioral concepts of care to provide the right care at the right time.
0: Thank you so much for laying that out. I think the, the theme so far uh, one of the themes so far um, from your comments, Lee and, and Manu, is sort of like leveraging artificial te- intelligence in a way that is supportive of, of the human beings doing the work, right, and, and allow, still allowing that personal touch of dentistry to, to sort of thrive. Alex, can, can, can you build on, on, on these previous comments and, and share anything new you'd like to do on uh, AI and dentistry?
3: I really like what both of the, what, if, what they both said about AI. When we made the decision to move um, to the cloud, that was one of the things I was really looking for. I've actually sat in the role of working at the front desk and managing multiple offices prior to starting Brilliant Dental Partners, and in my previous work as well, I think sometimes things that can be automated can come in as well-intentioned, and that um, there wasn't a lot of due diligence or work done on the front end to determine if that actually was going to be solving the problem or if it was going to be creating a solution to a challenge or a barrier that your front desk or your clinical team or your patients were encountering on a daily basis. So I think that it's really important um, as we look at AI to, to make sure that we're engaging the right people around the conversation to make sure is this solving the problem or is this creating a solution Um, because otherwise I think you could just be adding a layer on top of it. Um, But I do think that um, AI has really changed, especially as it relates to how the, you know, like how some of the, the typical processes that you would be engaging in in a dental practice as an employee have changed. And also for the patient, how they're interacting with your practice and your provider. Online scheduling, for example, is one of the components of our software system that I think has been great. And I think we've seen a huge Benefit to our locations by implementing that piece of the software. Um, And and that would be the big thing I would say. The other thing I would add to that is, is, you know, when you invest in technology, um, and if it comes with a component, whether it's artificial intelligence or, you know, it's a scanner that you use in your office, um, what you don't want to have happen is it turn into a very expensive paperweight or coat rack, as I say. And that requires a commitment from the organization to focus on education and training not only their employees, but also the patients, so that they see the investment that they're making, that that, that your doctors and providers and company, you know, we're kind of very much in the background at Viridian, so, you know, I always say, if you don't know we're here, then we're doing our job, if you're the patients at the practice level, and you know, I mean, I think that's really just a very important commitment to make before you make an investment in technology. I think a lot of people look to technology, it's going to solve them my problems. it's going to do all this. It's not unless you use it. It's not unless you hold yourself accountable to those standards and everybody else on your team and that you're there to support each other through the process. And I think that the automated in, you know, like perio charting, for example, is one of the components that you will often hear hygienists um, say, is a challenge for them because of the way it has to be done. It is something where you're calling off numbers, you're having to put all these points in, or, you know, like all of this data around just one tooth, for example, in one quadrant. So it's, you know, they, it's difficult to do if you're not set up correctly in the room. And that was one of the things that's automated in our system. And we ran into some challenges with that right away. And they wanted to quit. They wanted to be like, no, I'm not going to do it. You know, it's just, nope, nope, I don't want to do it. And, you know, so I was like, okay, let's back up and make sure that we're, we've got all the things that you need. Do we have the correct technology around this particular system where you can actually utilize it so that it is a benefit to you and it is a benefit to the patient? And that's how I think it, it should be looked at. But I do agree with Lee that we are behind in dentistry. And I think that, you know, there are several factors that have allowed us to do so, but I think the organizations and the providers that are really looking to the future and looking to how they can can leverage technology for their organization are gonna are gonna continue to to grow and thrive.
0: Yeah, I want to go back to sort of something you talked about, sort of having uh, when you when you're talking about integrating technology or AI solutions, about like having the right people at the table to make those decisions as to whether they're beneficial or not. Can you talk about maybe who those right people are and, and how um, to go about facilitating those types of conversations? Around like what, what technology is useful and how do we go about integrating it?
3: Well, I think it's it's very important to um, identify who's going to be using this and then who's going to be receiving the who's going to be kind of the end user piece of this, and then who's also going to be interacting with this technology in some way, shape, or form, and identifying people within your organization or also leaders within the industry that you can pull into the conversation and say, okay, hey. Like, this is what I'm thinking about doing, or these are my options. What's your feedback on this? What is, what's been your experience with this? And and really seeing, but before you even do that, really kind of like getting your ear to the ground and figuring out what they're dealing with on a daily basis. Insurance verifications are, I think, a great example of that. Since we've already talked about period charting, you know, and um, the first time I ever did an insurance verification, because I, it could not fathom why it was taking people so long to do these insurance verifications. I thought, just give me that. I'm going to do it. And I did it, and I thought, oh, my goodness gracious, this is the most tedious thing I have done in a very long time, and there is no way to avoid it. And I thought, you know, and and so that's one of the things where it's a consistent complaint from your front desk and the clinical team when those aren't entered correctly. They're like, well, I don't know if I can do this, or I don't know, you know, I don't know if their insurance covers this when they're asking me questions in the back. And so I think that's a great example of when you really got the bright people around the table, like the hygienists, the assistants, some doctors, who really, I think, brought some really, um, I'd say, you know, like it wasn't that they were negative or naysayers, they came in really seeing like, this is what we're dealing with and we need a solution to this if we're gonna focus on these other, these other tasks or these other, or focus our energy elsewhere. And so I think having several conversations around that and then also going back to them after you've implemented this technology, and see how it's going, ask them for their feedback, ask them, you know, why are you not using this piece? Or what's the problem with this? Okay, well, let's get the people who are with the actual software system on a call and let's talk about what we can do. I I think what I've seen people do in previous jobs that that I've had in other industries is they, they get this technology and they don't really push themselves to understand it themselves. So when it comes to the point which, Every, every technology you've ever put in your office is gonna have somebody resist it to an extent that you are not really able to be part of the solution in that, in that, in that case. And I would say that that's a, a big piece of it is having uh, being sure that you go back to them and ask them how it's going and have regular opportunities to get that feedback and then provide the education and training they need to advance their skills with it. It's, it's, doesn't, it's not just a one and done, you have to constantly be keeping your ax sharp yeah. With a,
0: a continuous conversation, co- continued yes. collaboration. Th- thank you so much, Alex. And I want to get to final thoughts. Uh, time has just flown by here, but Lee, I see you took yourself off mute. I don't know if you had a, a quick look yeah. on there to, to what Alex was talking
1: about. No, I, I think Alex made a lot of great points. It's funny from your, you're from the office setting. So am I. So that's generally how I approach things from actually sitting there and doing it. Um, and I think she's spot on with when you're putting out projects or AI or whatever it is, you need to think about the user that's going to be actually using it why they need to be using it and do they want to use it. Um, we talk about perio charting. I think that's a great example. It takes a lot of time. Um, there's a probe that calls out numbers. You get them for the hygienist, they don't like it, they can't hear it, it becomes a paperweight. If somebody could invent something like some sort of solution that you could swallow or put in your mouth and swish around, or maybe an impression that would do the perio charting for you, I think we make everybody happy. If anybody's watching, that's that's a good one for us. We need that, but it's also, it's the why and the desire, right? We talk about the, the radiographs and um, helping the do- the doctors with the treatment planning. Uh, in medicine, they, it's not uncommon to send out radiographs for somebody else to read. And I have some dentists that I'm extremely close with and whenever I have any crazy ideas or thoughts, I feel safe and comfortable communicating with them. And you know, some of their immediate reaction is, why do I need a machine to tell me how to treatment plan or how to diagnose? And it's good for me to hear that from them because they say what other people might not necessarily say to us. So it's important when you're looking at things like that to explain the why it's like, that's not what it's for at all. And I talk about the medicine aspect of it. And then we just talk about time. It's not in place of, it's a supplement to to make you more efficient and to make you better. But it's an example where you could get stuck investing in something that's relatively expensive that they don't necessarily want to use. Same with intraoral cameras or scanners. And it's funny that you say coat rack, because that's exactly what it is. It's usually somewhere in the back, sometimes in the restroom, and it's got all the coats on it. So the technology is only as good as whether or not somebody's willing to use it. And I think having those conversations up front, and I always love to involve the clinical team, anything that comes through this comes through our chief clinical officer. She has uh, clinical leads. They have their panel. They discuss these things. They bring them up. They're going to try the technology. They're going to see if they like it, if it makes them better, and if it's useful, and if it's beneficial, and if it is, they're going to be the ones that are having those conversations. I'm not clinical, right? I'm I'm strictly here for support, so I, I, I make sure that that's all entirely separated, but that's part of the reason that we're, are where we are in dentistry. A lot of the solo sites that we go to, th- there's solo sites in this country that still aren't digital radiography. You find a nice solo site, it's a nice practice, nice active patient base, the provider's been there for a long time, but they haven't necessarily kept up with reupholstering the chairs, changing the wallpaper, um, upgrading the technology or things of that, because it's expensive. <clears throat> that's one of the advantages of being part of a group or part of a team. We have the resources to do that, but there has to be a desire for things like that to get done and a commitment to using it to go ahead and make an investment like that. Gotcha.
0: Appreciate that Lee. And appreciate all three of you. Uh, we are at time. So I'm going to throw it to uh, the to, uh, to, to kick us off with, with just some closing thoughts, parting words of wisdom quickly here before we sign off. So Manu, I'll, th- I'll throw it to you for to get us started on that.
2: Okay, great, wonderful. Um, so, you know, one of the um, one of the I, not a necessarily ideas, but one of the recurring themes that Alex and Lee had shared, which is something that we at Capital also embody, is a, is essentially the quadruple aim, and that is that not only are we doing all, all these great things within our organizations, but ultimately, it also we want to ensure that the care team. That's providing or the dental workforce that's providing the care is also being elevated through the process as well. And so it was really nice to hear that as a recurring theme, not only in with Alex and, and as well as with Lee, but also contained within um, Capital as well. Um, you know, just to kind of wrap up things in terms of parting words of wisdom, I would say, you know, just don't hesitate, jump in and try it. Um, you know, build a task force of of, of thought leaders and, and just try it out. And if it doesn't work, know yeah. when to kind of pull the plug on it. Um, and then lastly, um, think of solutions and then innovate and execute. Um, don't, don't shy away from trying to drive that change, um, particularly when we look at medical dental integration, uh, even dental and behavioral integration, and then even um, much far beyond that, but really looking at total population health and what can we do to improve the health of our population, our society, and ultimately that comes down to the individual level as well. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much, Dr. Charger. Appreciate you being here and sharing those thoughts with us. Uh, Lee, any, any quick closing thoughts from you?
1: No. I, I think I said pretty much I, everything I had to say it's a really exciting time I like change I like innovation, and I like disruption and I think our industry is right for it and I'm excited to see who's going to step up in terms of the developers and who's going to step up and uh, take charge, you know my organization as a great example is going to be the pioneers for uh, sleep apnea. Uh, we're in, in very much in progress of rolling that out into a national uh, platform for something that's a big problem in the industry, but also a medical issue. And uh, I, I like to take those challenges on and I like to not sit on the sidelines and wait. I'd rather be uh, leading the charge on something that we feel is very important and our clinical team thought that was. So I'm sure there'll be many more to tackle.
0: I appreciate your time, Lee. Uh-huh. I have final, final thoughts from you. Uh,
3: I, you know, one of the big things I would say is don't be afraid of technology and be interested in it. And when you are interested in it, do your research, do your due diligence, be involved in that process so that you can help um, yourself and the other leaders in your company make the best decision um, possible. And with that being said, um, there are often very, very rarely perfect decisions. And when you make the decision to invest in technology, do it with your whole heart and your whole 100% of your intention and have that accountability and that expectation with your team. And I would also say, as you do that, you know, the biggest thing you can do is to communicate before, during, and after when there's new technology that's implemented within the practices. And if it doesn't work, um, don't you know, deal with it quickly and figure out what the issue is so that you can solve the problem. And um, that would be that would be some of my 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 big points of advice for anybody considering this.
0: Thank you, Alex. Uh, thank you, all panelists. Appreciate your time. Uh, And thank you attendees as well. We hope to see you at future Becker's events.